Hey, this is John from sunny California, and the reason I never listened to I Doubt It with Dollamore is because of Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, we are back. Did you miss us? Episode 182 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, the lovely lady who hates the smell of my hoodie because she says it smells like corn chips, Brittany Page. That's only when it's not clean and it's been worn Listen, for several days how without washing. You grew up with the stank on with it. With an older brother. Mm-hmm. And I am not an uncleanly character. But, you know, I don't need to wash the hoodie all the time. Well, I don't you, work out in the hoodie. Well, when you wear it all the time, regardless of what you're doing, and it starts to smell like corn... <laughs> That's a problem. That's a problem. I'm well, just trying to help think, you out. Listen, it is debatable. It is most certainly debatable whether or not this hoodie did, in fact, smell like corn. Okay. Well, the funny... I, 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 I can't confirm that. You can't smell your own stank. That's oh, kind of so how that corn goes. corn stanks. It, this type of corn that your hoodie <laughs> smelled like... Did, yes. And this hoodie that you wear has a gaping hole in it, yet you continue to wear it, which is very interesting. It's like your comfort hoodie. I like it. Yes, you do. This hoodie, well, it also represents, there is a memory associated with the hoodie. Oh, there is? Yeah. This is the hoodie that when you and Lisa and Brett number one and I went to Disneyland that year in November Mm -hmm. when it was pissing down freezing cold rain mm-hmm. and well i remember that part we showed up in a t-shirt or whatever oh no 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 here's the deal here <laughs> let's i was now, hoping that you weren't gonna remember it now correctly. i remember what happened mm-hmm. you like always didn't bring any warm alternative clothing so i had to give you my coat you didn't have to. And then I subsequently bought a wildly overpriced hoodie. I think I paid $80 for this $20 hoodie. <laughs> and that is why I have a fond recollection of this. Now, you're right. I did. I tore it on a nail. So I have this hole. And then the arm, the seam on the shoulder starting to give way. Yeah. What a poorly constructed $80 sweatshirt. <laughs> this is BS. So anyway... We are back. We we took the episode just prior to Christmas off, and we spent a couple days um, going to movies. Yeah, we did. We went and saw... The Big Short. Well, yeah, The Big Short, that's right. Which was fantastic. Five-star movie for me. Hilarious. Really, really good. Has Margot Robbie in a bathtub. I wish I was smarter. I really wish I was more intelligent, especially about finance and those types of things, because are you bummed that I went straight to that right after your Margot Robbie comment? Yes, because I would like to spend some time decompressing from watching the scene, because it was very 
uh, intense for me because she's... Wow, very intense <laughs> for you, huh? I didn't she, know that you had proclivity, desirous proclivities toward women. Well, look at her. <laughs> Look you, at listen, her. You have spent a lot of time talking about Margot Robbie. Robbie. I don't know how to say her name. Margot Robbie, because you you went on this rant s- several different times about how someone like that can't just work at Sears. Right. Like she. What what else can she do but be a movie star with right. with that mug? <laughs> right. I mean, you can't walk into a Best Buy and then she's like helping you buy your laptop. <laughs> That's just not something that would occur with someone that looks like that. She, there's no other option but for her to be rich and famous and be in movies. Right. With her face. I right. mean, there's she's, just, she's definitely attractive. That's it for her. Yeah. You are automatically elevated because you look like that. All right. So that's what Brittany took away from the movie. <laughs> what I took away was just how, well, one, it's a very important movie. If you, if, if you have an opportunity to go see The Big Short, I, I don't think it's getting wide release. So even if you have it's to not. travel, I don't think so. Even if you have to travel an hour or so, go find a screen and watch this movie because it is, it is important. Right. It's educational. It's funny. But I really, like I said, getting back to what I was saying, mm-hmm. I really wish I was smarter because I think I took away about not even half of the real depth of the topic that they were getting into. Right. Well, it's all about the financial collapse and the bad the, mortgages. The mortgage crisis, yeah. And so it is kind of a complicated subject, but they do a good job of like trying to explain a lot of it. And well, hence Margot Robbie. Right, Robbie. Right. God damn. Right. They, they have her in a bathtub explaining some things, and it made me think like if that's how someone had tried to teach me math, I probably would have like learned math. Well, see, there is a there is room for Margot Robbie outside of just being a movie star. She could just be in a bathtub teaching math to high school kids. Yeah, that would work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the other movie that we saw was Star Wars. Yes. I, I hadn't planned to see it until like a month out, but we, we, we caught it at the perfect time. We didn't have to wait in line, which I just don't like doing. I, I don't like waiting in line more then normal people don't like waiting in line. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a phobia. Like, uh, I just hate it. Which is weird because you're a people person. Yeah. And usually the whole, oh, I don't like crowds. I don't like being in large groups of people is reserved for, you know, weirdos like me who. Well, maybe I just don't like the the unwashed masses. Mm. Okay. And I don't like theater folk. <laughs> Everyone goes to movie theaters, so that would mean you don't like everybody. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just asked right on that logic right there. You just nothing to come back with. So anyway, listen. Here's my takeaway from Star Wars, and there's no spoilers here. I'm not going to. I'm not even going to talk about the plot. It's I, this goes out to all of you Star Wars nerds. All, and I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean that as a as an identifier. If you are a Star Wars nerd, because you know all of the backstory, you know, the the different parallel Star Wars universes and the, the different storylines from different comic lines and movies and cartoon series. You're, you're a Star Wars nerd. Mm-hmm. When, when you ask me, and I have refrained from talking about how I felt about the movie because I was, eh, it was, uh, I thought it was slightly better than meh. Well, it's Star Wars. Yeah, it was. Well, 
for some, that it it is the, the be all end all of science fiction. It's like this cultish mysticism filled fucking thing. Well, that's what I mean. It's Star Wars. So if you love, <laughs> well, no. So if you love Star Wars, then you're going to love the movie. If you're, if you just think Star Wars is okay, then you're just going to think the movie is okay because it reminded me of the other Star Wars movies. Yeah, yeah. Some Star Wars nerds are saying they were, you know, very disappointed by this one for whatever reason, but it was just like the other ones to me. So, um, you know, maybe I'm uninitiated and right, you know, but it is, it is a dawn. I will say this, and this isn't a spoiler. We won't get into characters or anything else, but it is a, a shining dawn of a new era in, in a modern time right now for movies. Well, and this is what I said when I, when I left the theater, which is, I was almost emotional during the movie because the the badass of the movie is the female character. Yeah. And and they make no apologies for it. Right. And it's just such a different time. And I, to think of, you know, like my best friend just had um, a baby girl. And to think of the world that she's going to grow up in, in terms of the media that she's going to be viewing and the media that she will have access to. Right. With, you know, female characters being the lead and being the badass and right. fighting with men and being the, equal the, the the damsel in distress will be maybe not completely a thing of the past but certainly well on its way out right and that is awesome it really is i was impressed with how they did it in fact they there was actually even several times during the movie where they made jokes veiled references to it that those times are over this mm-hmm. isn't what this is about anymore mm-hmm. so I did enjoy that aspect, and I, you know, I like the movie. But really, the point of this is, just because I don't love it, doesn't mean I hated it. And I've I've had to explain that to so many people in just a few days since we saw it. So I am going to comment on one thing though, because God damn, why do I feel like <laughs> I, the shoes getting ready to drop on my head? Okay, because this is what you do when you don't like a movie: is you. You like do that thing where you flick your arm out and look at your watch and you do it like you're not just looking at it for you. No, you're see? looking at it for whoever you're with to notice like, oh, oh, shit. Jesse really hates this movie. No, he, you don't understand my watch. My watch. <laughs> I have to get it in certain light. Yeah. To see what time it is. Yeah. It takes a bit to do that. It does. And you kind of have to shake your arm out in front of my face, like almost hit me with it. How dare you, Brittany Page? <laughs> How dare you? You know that it's the truth. Oftentimes, I want to see how much left there is. <laughs> right, because you hate it so much, <laughs> and you want everyone around you to know, God damn, this sucks. I'm looking at my watch to see how much is left. I will say this, <laughs> and this is the first time I'm saying this, we could have left, and I don't think I would have cared. Yeah, it sounds like you didn't hate it that much. It sounds like it was just meh for you, but that doesn't mean you hate it. Yeah. We're all picking up what you're putting down. Oh, God damn. You know what? What I do feel a little hate is coming this way from your side of the table. <laughs> a lot. A lot of hate. Mm-hmm. Speaking of hate, and I say that tongue in cheek, we got our very first correction. I well, don't I, think it's our first no, correction. No, no, no. On the website. Okay. They used the form that I set up, the contact the show form. And they emailed us from that. Um, they didn't use the typical 657-464-7609. They didn't use the the standard I doubt it with Dollamore where they could rather email normally or 
email a voice memo from their smartphone. They didn't do any of that. You see how I skillfully slipped that in there. We did. <laughs> we all got that. So they went to the website and they, they sent a correction for the lovely Brittany Page <laughs> about the Martin Shkreli story. Uh, this is going to be a rough episode for me because <laughs> I have some other heat coming. Um, so this is from William and it, there's a space that says, what do you want to tell us? And this is his message to me. It's not an AIDS drug. The drug. No, hang on. Why are you reading it with a <laughs> shitty attitude? You don't. Because that's how I'm getting read it. it. Read it with a cheerful countenance. You okay. don't have to read it with the. Okay. It's not an AIDS drug, asshole. Okay. I don't All think right. that's how he meant it. It's not an AIDS drug. The drug treats the parasite that you get from cat poop. Pregnant women and people with AIDS have compromised immune systems, which makes them more vulnerable to the parasite. <laughs> Is that better? No, that was just condescending. Anyway, well, maybe he did mean it that way. Okay, so in my defense... It's not an AIDS drug. Yeah, in my defense, <laughs> that is kind of what, what it was being called, right? So he's absolutely right. Well, you don't right. have to mitigate it. You just said it's kind of what it was being... It was absolutely being called that. The Washington Post, every media outlet that we knew was just using shorthand to talk about it as the AIDS drug. Right. And this article that I'm looking at from CNN Money, the title of it says, Meet the Guy Behind the $750 AIDS Drug. Like, that's right. yeah. that's what it was being called. So I, I fell into correct. that. Right. But William is correct. And this is a factual show. So I should have been a little bit more factual. But I was just doing what everyone else was doing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank you, William. We appreciate the feedback. As always, and we don't mind being corrected, especially when it's geared toward Brittany Page. <laughs> when the corrections are directed right at Brittany Page's head, mm -hmm. it's all good. Perfect. We, we welcome them. Yes. We also, it's a red letter day here at I Doubt It With Dollamore, Brittany Page. Mm -hmm. We got our very first voicemail. Many of you may know. Our very first voicemail. But let me finish what I'm saying, please. Got it. <laughs> it is going to be a rough show for you. Many of you may know that I have a YouTube channel where I do videos that, you know, skewer that buffoon Josh Feuerstein, where I talk about religion, atheism, just topical things, I think. And on some of my latest videos, I have put a number to this very program where people can call in with their thoughts. Well, <laughs> out of the blue, this happened. And first, I'm going to play the three-minute, fewer-than-three-minute video clip of, or audio of the video, where I'm talking about the Christian salvation myth in modern times. Then, we will get to the voicemail, because I want to give you context. Imagine that there was once a man who lived not so long ago, and he wasn't so different from you or me. And he, this guy lived in a faraway land and had about 100 adopted children. And he set rules for these children because he loved them. Still, though, many of these children chose to disobey his rules. And this angered the man. He told him to obey his rules or else. But some of them continued to disobey. One night, as the 100 children slept, because he loved them, he drowned each and every one of them to death in his perfect angry wrath. He was fed up and he had decided to start over. Well, a long while later, the man had adopted many more children, and he continued to set rules, and they continued to disobey. He was angry, 
a lot of the time. He killed a lot of them, he tortured many of them, and still many of them just would not obey his, his rules. He decided that he wouldn't kill them all again, but instead came up with a new plan that made a lot of sense. He decided to get one of the young adopted girls pregnant with his actual seed. She was about 14. After she had the child, he grew up to be a perfectly behaved kid. While the child, his actual son, had grown, the man could finally enact his ultimate plan. That made a lot of sense, remember. To get all of the adopted children to obey and behave. He knew that the only way the rest of the misbehaving children could possibly be saved from his own perfect angry wrath was to have his actual son brutally tortured and murdered publicly. After his son had been tortured to death, the man looked at all the rest of the children fondly and explained that the torture and murder of his actual child somehow magically made it to where he wouldn't have to be mad and kill everyone anymore. Inexplicably, everyone seemed to totally get it. And they started behaving because somehow the torture and murder of a person has magical effects on the behavior of the man. And this made sense because it totally does, right? Now here's where it gets really good. All the children simply had to accept this fact. They had to accept that the murder and torture of the man's child had saved them from the man's perfect angry wrath. And vengeance. If they believed in his plan, they would get rewards aplenty, but later though. However, if the children didn't believe that the brutal public torture and murder of the man's son saved them, then those children would be burned forever. Listen, if you're a Christian and this seems irrational and wildly horrible, then the thought of, and the thought of an actual man on earth acting this way seems wrong to you you might want to examine your life and your belief system. So there it is. Just under three minutes of ironclad logic <laughs> painting a, a very clear metaphor about the salvation message that is contained within the New Testament. So we got this voicemail about it. Hello there. My name's Andy Herzman. I'm from Long Island, New York. I was just watching your video on YouTube called The Christian Salvation Myth in Modern Times. And I just wanted to disagree with you on one thing. Uh, you said... Well, they started behaving because somehow the torture and murder of a person has magical effects on the behavior of man. Now, it wasn't really the behavior um, that changed because obviously they were given free will and... They were actually forgiven for their misbehavior. They continued to misbehave. But since this magical guy who was really, um, what do you call it, uh, uh, innocent of everything, uh, was tortured and killed, <laughs> that, that was, uh, payment for everybody else's crimes, basically. So, it's not very moral, of course. I mean, imagine innocent people getting tortured and killed for other people's crimes. But that's what it's all about. It wasn't about changing their behavior. It was just about uh, forgiving them. That's the point I wanted to make. Love your show. Thanks so much. Keep it going. Have a nice day. 
Well, thank you very much, Andy, from Long Island, New York. We appreciate the voicemail very much. I would say that maybe you missed the point. Maybe not. Now that I'm listening to it a second time, it seems that he's just he's, he's fixated on the changing of the behavior thing. Uh-huh. And I would say that the, the influence of the threat of eternal damnation is indeed intended to change people's behavior. Because believing, actively believing, and going through the motions of salvation to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and saved you from your sins, that is about behavior. So, I don't know. I find, and maybe not in this specific case, but I find a lot of people who watch this, the different videos that I've done, they will comment. I get hundreds of YouTube comments. And oftentimes it seems as though they didn't watch the fucking video. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't listen at all to the content. I don't know. Anyway, as always, I want to thank everybody who wants to participate, moving the conversation forward and, and, and calling on the voicemail line. It's awesome. All right, let's get to a little bit of follow-up before we move on. Several months ago, we talked about a an Arizona state senator named Sylvia Allen. At the time, we played this clip where she spoke about making mandatory... Well, let, let's put it in context. They're having a debate about gun control. And she's saying that we don't have a gun control issue in our country. We have a soul's... Uh, a, a, a souls issue. People are are evil in their souls. I'm speaking, just paraphrasing here. And maybe we should not be debating gun control. Maybe we should be debating whether a bill that would require Americans to attend the church of their choice on Sunday. I believe what's happening to our country is that there's a horrible erosion of the soul of America. Yes, there is a horrible erosion of the disregard for the sanctity of life and the violence that we have on our streets, and it is not back to the weapons. I mean, we heard the story of the man stabbing his mother. You want to do violence, you'll use a clock in a courtroom, or you can use knives, or you can use whatever. It's the soul that is corrupt, and how we get back to a moral rebirth in this country, I don't know, since we are slowly eroding religion at every opportunity that we have. Uh, Probably we should be debating a bill requiring every American to attend a church of their choice on Sunday to see if we can get back to having a moral rebirth. But since that would never be allowed, and and we would not even be debating that, um, I am going to vote yes that people who are responsible and have a CCW permit don't have to worry about their gun as they're out and about doing business and whatever building they're in except for the ones that aren't allowed. So I'm voting yes. Thank you. All that to say, I'm voting yes. (laughs) Which should tell you this is in a committee hearing. This is an official government proceeding where she's talking about sending people, creating legislation that would require Americans to attend the church of their choice 
every Sunday. Right. So that was months ago. And now um, she is a person who believes the Earth is 6,000 years old and that the U.S. government regularly sprays its citizens with mind-controlling chemtrails. And she's been selected to lead an Arizona legislative committee overseeing education. Education. Mm Mm-hmm. Sylvia Allen was selected by fellow Republican and Senate President Andy Biggs to chair the Arizona Senate Education Committee. The committee acts as a gatekeeper for education-related laws, including Common Core and spending. Quote, she understands what Arizona students and parents need in our education system. She is a very experienced legislator, and I know she will do a wonderful job. This is deplorable. I'm going to play a very brief clip here. When Brittany says that she believes the Earth is 6,000 years old, that's not just some kind of a, ah, she's one of those young Earth creationists. She speaks of this as though it's a fact from her official position as an Arizona state senator. I can't say enough how it's time that we get beyond and, and start focusing on the technology we have and move forward into the future so that our grandchildren and can have the same lifestyle we have, and and this Earth's been here 6,000 years, and I know I'm going on and on, I'll shut up. It's been here 6,000 years, long before anybody had environmental laws, and somehow it hasn't been done away with. And um, we need to get the uranium here in Arizona so this state can get the money from it and the, uh, the revenue from it, and it can be done safely, and you'll never even know the mine was there when they're done. So- I am for this. So in that clip, she's talking about multiple times saying the earth is 6,000 years old. This earth has been here for 6,000 years. Mm -hmm. And they're putting her in charge of the education committee for the state of Arizona. This, ladies and gentlemen, is why I long ago left the Republican Party. This is why there is soul searching being done right now amongst prominent conservatives about the Republican Party. Bill Crystal recently tweeted that we're going to have to come up with the name of a new party if Trump gets the nomination because so many people are going to be fleeing this particular version of the Republican Party. What's strange to me, though, is that no one seems to notice that 60%, 58% of Republican millennials are completely in favor of gay marriage and they're driving straight ahead with the Mike Huckabee, Rick Santorum narrative on, on, on the Republican Party's platform. Well, this isn't even about gay marriage. This is someone who believes in chemtrails. No, I, I know that. I'm saying that there is a problem right now within the Republican Party that this type of a person is not not just representing people, but in charge of, of a committee that makes decisions on the education of the children of Arizona. Right. When, this, this isn't Mississippi. This is Arizona. Right. There seems to be less of an emphasis on like education and being factual and you know, placing your opinions, aligning your opinions with with what is factual. Right. They're almost dismissive of education. Absolutely. I believe that. Which is kind of scary. Very scary. It's alarming, to say the least, not even for the for the future of a longstanding political party in the United States. This is this is 
damaging for generations of young children who are going to grow up and be educated in a very populated state. Anyway, uh, we just wanted to follow up on that. It is uh, scary. There's no other word for it. Another piece of follow-up, Raif Badawi, the atheist blogger in Saudi Arabia who has been under lock and key and subject to, to flogging, is currently in the middle of a hunger strike and his condition is worsening. Right. So he this is day 18 of a hunger strike and wow. it's been it's being reported through his Twitter page that he's losing consciousness and is passing out um late at night and in the morning and his family is holding the prisoner manager responsible for this because they are refusing to provide medical care for Rive Badawi. And his family has been tweeting saying that the prison administration informed him that he's going to be facing a charge because of his hunger strike as well. God damn. So th- things th- aren't looking good. Because, they are terrible over there. Like they said, they were going to, they were moving toward releasing him. It seemed that way. And now that is not the case. So Rife Badawi went on a hunger strike. This is not proving to be fruitful. Um, I can't imagine that it would be fruitful. I don't understand why he would think it or or, I mean, he's gaining the world's attention. But this is a country that surgically removes limbs. If you steal, this is a country where women cannot drive. This is a country where women cannot leave the house or travel at all without the, the, the express written permission of a male family member. They don't give a shit about civil rights human rights they are they they are a socially acceptable isis is what they are the same country that wants to squelch that kind of talk that they're going to sue people who compare them to isis well here i am (laughs) i'm separate from him should i play it Uh, no (laughs) it's disturbing it's a bummer Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. We would definitely like to take a moment and thank our newest Patreon supporter, DJ. Um, Thank you very much. We appreciate your support. As we always say, every little bit goes a long way. And it's going to be a busy month with debates, with the bonus episodes and the debates. Yes. Thank you, DJ. And you will be able to have access to the next debates which there are three this month so 14th what are, what's the what are the dates 14th 17th and 28th so the 14th and the 28th are republican debates and the 17th is a democratic debate and the 28th should be good because it's fox news and brett megan and chris are back for round two yeah maybe she'll have blood coming out of her eyes or wherever again yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, she pulls out a tampon or something as she's asking a question or, 
you know, comes in with like her makeup done with blood coming out of her eyes maybe or something. Maybe, maybe she'll have like earrings, like just tampons, like, but they're just dang, yeah. dangly earrings. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that she is a professional, so she's not going to do anything, but there's just a part of me that wishes that she would. Oh, yeah. It would be awesome. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, it leads us right in to politics. There is now one fewer presidential candidate among the Republicans. Is it Rick Santorum? No. No, Brittany. It is not. Your powers of prognostication, (laughs) they, uh... They didn't hold up under scrutiny. They sure did not. Lindsey Graham has left the building. Today, I'm suspending my campaign for president. I want to thank everyone who's taken this journey with me. You have honored me with your support. I believe we've run a campaign you can be proud of. We've put forward bold and practical solutions to big problems, like retiring our debt and fixing a broken immigration system. This has been a problem solvers campaign. However, the centerpiece of my campaign has been securing our nation. I got into this race to put forward a plan to win a war we cannot afford to lose and to turn back the tide of isolationism that was rising in our party. I believe we made enormous progress in this effort. Four months ago, at the very first debate, I said that any candidate who did not understand that we need more American troops on the ground in Iraq and Syria to defeat ISIL was not ready to be commander-in-chief. At that time, no one stepped forward to join me. Today, most of my fellow candidates have come to recognize this is what's needed to secure our homeland. I'm far more confident today that our party will reject the Obama doctrine of leading from behind and will provide the strong leadership America needs to restore our military and take the fight to our enemies and do what it takes to make our country safe and preserve our way of life. This is a generational struggle that demands a strategy and the will to win. I will continue to work every day to ensure that our party and our nation takes on this fight. I'm suspending my campaign, but never my commitment to achieving security through strength for the American people. God bless our fighting men and women, and God bless America. God bless America, Brittany. Rick, just... Damn it, Rick. Why do you have to <laughs> why do you have to leave us now? Well, why don't you Rick? I'm I'm holding on to oh, the Rick, Rick Santorum. Everybody should know, we should remind our loyal audience that Brittany Page, she chose Rick Santorum to be the next to drop out of the race. You're uh And then Lindsey Graham o- ruined everything. One. Yeah. Okay, well I'm I'm gonna make a new pick. A new pick. Of who is going to drop out next. All right. And it is Rick Santorum. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's the do theory. You're due for a win. Yeah. So you just stick to your guns. Double down, as they say. Yes. Yeah. That is good. my plan. That's good. And I think it's it could be. It could be. Yeah, you thought that last time. and um, Well, it still could be. <laughs> uh, I will say this, though. There is a bit of strategy maybe at play here because... Lindsey Graham, love him or hate him, I think Lindsey Graham is a relatively honorable guy. And he's looking to, if he leaves, now granted, he doesn't. He has less than 3% in the polls, maybe less than that. He's mm-hmm. very low in the polls, but 
his supporters have to go somewhere. They're not just going home. Now they have to pick another candidate. So in that vacuum of, of, of support, someone is going to gain most of his followers, his followers, like it's fucking Twitter, mm-hmm. his, his supporters, <laughs> right. his, 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 his voters, yes. his t- constituency. Mm-hmm. And it will likely go to someone who is more on the moderate side. Because like, let's say if Rick Santorum did leave, those, those people would probably go to Trump. To a to a Ted Cruz or a or like a Rand Paul, maybe a Rubio. Nah, maybe not Rubio. Someone more conservative. Mm-hmm. Where if Kasich left, those are going to go to like a Rubio. Yeah. So there need this is what needs to happen to dethrone the the Donald Trump fucking juggernaut, the machine that is the Donald Trump campaign. Speaking of Mike Huckabee, he had something to say directly related to when he would leave the race. If we can't come within striking distance of the victory or win it, then I think we recognize that it's going to be hard to take that on to other states, he said of Iowa. He went further, quote, well, I mean, historically, we've always said there are three tickets out of Iowa. You come in number one, two or three. I think in many ways, that's probably still the case. It may be that if you're a close second or a close third, that's very good. If you're a distant third, then maybe there's not a way to go on. I think you have a good hard look at it after Iowa. So it's looking like if he doesn't place in the top three or very very close to three right right then he he's going to be done after iowa which is uh february 1st which is very likely because he's not he's not polling well in iowa no and he hasn't been this whole time i think he was only in one main stage debate and Mm -hmm. since then he has been in the undercard debates so there you go which no one watches no they don't even garner an actual audience in the building well, and that's perfectly uh, why <laughs> that perfectly explains why Rand Paul said, I'm not going to participate in a second tier debate. That's right. He flat out said, I won't participate in any kind of second tier debate. We've got a first tier campaign. I've got 800 precinct chairmen in Iowa. I've got 100 people on the ground working for me. I've raised $25 million. I'm not going to let any network or anybody tell me we're not a first tier campaign. Well, that's, so, that goes directly to the fact that this next debate is only going to have six people on the main stage. They're not going to do this nine or ten candidate fuck show, this craziness. They're only going to... Are you laughing at fuck show? I am. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting. They're just not going to do that, which is awesome because it's going to be a more substantive debate. It's a lot harder to hide from tough questions with with incendiary bullshit you have to actually have substantive answers right so that's going to push possibly well for sure John Kasich and Carly Fiorina and then possibly Rand Paul Chris Christie Jeb Bush those people who are at the bottom yeah out um so it might push them off the main stage and that's where that's why Rand Paul's saying no I'm not going to do that right but it'll also make the the undercard debate more watchable because yes. there'll be a lot more more substance there yeah It'll be a scrum, but, you know, still entertaining. Because when it's just Rick Santorum and George Pataki, it's kind of... Right. We don't need to see this. Well, listen, it wouldn't be an episode of the show if we didn't cover a little bit of the constant jackassery of Donald Trump 
Last week, after the Democrat debate, we talked about this on the debate episode. And there was a commercial break. They came back and Hillary Clinton was not there. Apparently, her bathroom was like a minute and a half walk away. And then obviously a minute and a half to walk back. So she... She was like a minute late coming back, maybe 60 seconds coming back from break. And they started without her because mm-hmm. the question wasn't necessarily going to her. And they got to schedule. They got to they gotta make, make time here. So I'm going to play a clip here of Donald Trump addressing that, that exact thing. And he starts with the bathroom talk. And he does it in his very classic Donald Trump way. Where he's like, ah, we're not going to talk about that. No, we got to be up. We got to be above board. We got to be classier. Whatever the fuck he says. Um, and, is that what he says, or is he? It's disgusting, and I'm not going to no, no, talk no, no. about no, it. No, and then he says, oh, no, okay. we got. We, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. It's it's classic jackassery. I'm just eager to hear it. And then he moves into using a an odd term to describe Hillary Clinton's loss to Obama in 2008. I know where she went. It's disgusting. I don't want to talk about it. No, it's too disgusting. Don't say it. It's disgusting. Let's not do it. We want to be very, very straight up, okay? Straight up, he says. But I thought that was... Wasn't that a weird deal? We're ready to start. They were looking. They gave her every benefit of the doubt because, you know, it's ABC and she practically owns ABC. She really does. I mean, George Stephanopoulos interviewed me the other day. It was terrible. Let me just tell you, I may win. I may not win. Hillary, that's not a president. That's not. She's not taking us to everything that's been involved in Hillary has been losses. You take a look. Even a race to Obama. She was going to beat Obama. I don't know who'd be worse. I don't know. How does it get worse? But she was going to beat. She was favored to win. And she got schlonged. She lost. I mean, she lost. She got schlonged. Mm-hmm. Schlong is a common sh- slang for a penis. What? So she got dicked. She got a big <laughs> cock stuck in her. Okay. She got shl- or maybe slapped with it. What does that mean? Okay. She got schlonged. So, the Washington Post had a really great article on this. She got schlonged. And they interviewed Steven Pinker from Harvard, who is a noted researcher on language and cognition. And he pointed out that Very smart, very reputable guy. Right. So he pointed out that Trump is using a term that comes to English via Yiddish and Middle High German and that he may have simply been trying to say something else. He says, quote, given Trump's history of vulgarity and misogyny, it's entirely possible. (laughs) Stephen (laughs) Pinker. It's entirely possible that he had created a sexist term for defeat, parenthetically. As far as I know, there is no such slang verb in Yiddish. But given his history with sloppy language, it's also possible that it's a malaprop. He could have picked a different word than sloppy there. Okay, so (laughs) a malaprop, just so everyone knows, the mistaken use of a word in place of a similar sounding one, often with unintentionally amusing effect. She got schlonged. So we're learning something new every day. Uh, Trump's problem, he's a Gentile who linguistically may have wandered too far from home. Quote, many Goyim are confused by the large number of Yiddish terms beginning with shul or shum. (laughs) And they use them incorrectly or interchangeably. Like schmuck. Yes, that is one. And schlep. Or schmutz. Yeah, or schlub or (laughs) schlock or schmutz. Yeah, okay. Um... 
Well, you know, I mean, let's be honest. We're, we're normally used to hearing Trump say things like, I'd like to take some money out of her fat ass pockets. You know, no, no Yiddish required. So Steven Pinker says, so an alternative explanation is that Trump reached for what he thought was a Yinglish word for beat and inadvertently coined an obscene one. And this actually isn't the first time that he's used the word schlonged. <laughs> Um, in this way he's used it at least once before the washington post found in a 2011 discussion of a house seat republicans lost he said quote she got schlonged <laughs> no <laughs> i watched a popular republican woman not only lose but get schlonged by a democrat nobody ever heard of for the congressional seat and that was because simply because of the paul ryan plan he was talking about two women here, Jane Corwin and Kathy something. So he used you are, it. You, listen, you are awesome with the names, Brittany Page. He he used the, the phrase schlonged between two women. Right. So, you know, maybe Steven Pinker has a point here in that, you know, despite his sexist history, he really was trying to use a word that means beat and he just is uneducated in this area and he grabbed the wrong word. What do you mean sexist history? You wouldn't have your job if you weren't beautiful. Come on, Brittany Page. The guy's a he's a gentleman and scholar. Right. And, and he's actually, you know, in the headlines today because he tweeted about Bill Clinton being sexist. Right. Which is funny. I mean, they would be bros. So I don't know right. what he's. Well, I think all indications are that they are fucking bros or at least were bros right right at the time when they were sexist buds right yeah now oh who's the bigger sexist right now it's a problem right the guy who abuses his authority in office to 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 you know what what would be completely unacceptable if you were a, a college professor doing this to to a student but you're president of the united states doing it to an intern oh oh no everybody looks the other way I don't want to get crazy about it, but it, look. <laughs> this Donald, is a very awkward Do conversation. Donald Trump isn't far off the, the mark when he calls Bill Clinton a sexist. Mm -hmm. He's not. Mm -hmm. Just because Bill Clinton is a Democrat and with a relatively progressive record doesn't mean he's not a sexist and doesn't abuse women when he, whom he is in power over. Well, he's too old to do that kind of stuff now. Yeah, that guy's wiener for sure doesn't work that's, after heart surgeries. And well, that's when he was young, and you know he's grown out of that now. So we should all cut him some slack. Right, right. <laughs> she got chlunked. So anyway, the other thing I want to talk about, we're going to move on, is Quinnipiac just did a poll, and they released some awesome results that revolved directly around the candidacy and possible presidency. Of Donald Trump. Six weeks before the Iowa caucuses open. This is probably five weeks now because this was from December 22nd. Anyway, I'm just trying hey, to be accurate. I don't want to get another email from William. <laughs> William, the official show fact checker. Yes, he's on to me. We 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 took a day off for Christmas and it I even the rhythm of the show we're doing right now doesn't it feels off. No more days off for us. Okay. Don't tell everybody how we're feeling and make it known. I'm not, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. Okay. So five weeks before the Iowa caucuses. I am an honest man, Brittany Page. William, and, fact and check that. When I <laughs> uh, 
So Donald Trump and Ted Cruz lead the Republican field nationally, but Trump trails either Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. That's the end of that sentence. And 50% of American voters say... You see what I mean? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Say they would be embarrassed to have Donald Trump as president. Wow. Yeah. Trump has 28% of the GOP pack with Ted Cruz at 24%. Marco Rubio has 12%. Ben Carson has 10%. And nobody else matters. <laughs> Only 23% of voters surveyed would be proud to have Donald Trump as president. Uh, can you imagine? I mean, look, we, we've gone, we've spoken about this ad nauseum on the show, but I'm with them. It would be an embarrassment. It would be an occurrence that might. It. I, I'm. See, look. I'm so. I'm pounding on the table. I'm so bothered by it. This might be an occurrence that would warrant getting the fuck out of the country. All right. So Do we have listeners in Canada who have like a a shed in the backyard that that I could that I could podcast from about American politics. We'll Do, go. We'll go live with Nikki. Yes, Amsterdam, even better. Okay, so I also want to note, if Clinton is elected, um, those in the poll said 33% of voters would be proud and 35% would be embarrassed to have Hillary Clinton as the president. Hmm. So there's that. But I do want to say some things about polls because Harry Enten over at 538 wrote this fantastic article on polls. And, you know, these Quinnipiac polls, these CNN ORC polls, these random Internet polls that start before debates are even over. All these yeah, polls. Yeah, Matt Drudge. Yeah, all these polls are just floating around and. People are wondering, you know, oh, my God, is Donald Trump really winning? Oh, my God, what's happening? And Harry Anton wrote this great article about polls. <laughs> How many times am I going to say that? Okay. You're also, you, you nerd out about this kind of statistics and shit. Okay, so the first thing he says. You never thought you'd be one of those people that nerd out about statistics, Brittany Page. So this is just a guide you to polls. You just never dreamed. Can I stop now? Please. <laughs> The first tip that Harry Anton over at 538 has regarding polls is wait. Shrug off polls until just before primaries or until after the conventions for the general election. He says, even within a week of a primary election, the polls are often inaccurate. The polls more than a month out are, at best, a guesstimate. General election polls are far more accurate on the eve of an election, and the candidate who leads after the major party conventions is likely to win. Number two, ignore national primary polls. They measure nothing, but state polls matter. Unlike in general elections, when all states vote on the same day, the primary calendar is sequential. Each state's results often affect the next state's results. That is absolutely true. The national polls don't add to your understanding of the race. Just look at surveys of the upcoming states, right? So this is going to start with Iowa on February 1st. That is right. Mm -hmm. Well, here here's the other thing. We'll get into this, and then I want to talk about that article that that told where each candidate was in two thousand four, two thousand eight, and two thousand twelve. At this very day, who was leading in each each party's primary race? But he, here's what's going to happen, folks. We are going to go into Iowa, and Ted Cruz will likely win Iowa. He's going to get almost. He, he's going to get a five to ten point boost out of that. 
Some candidates will likely quit the race. Their supporters will go disperse to the different candidates moving into the New Hampshire primary. Once the primary in New Hampshire happens, even more candidates are going to drop out because they realize their efforts are fruitless. <laughs> their supporters will disperse and they will likely disperse if they haven't been with Donald Trump yet. They will likely disperse to more conventional political candidates. So um, that, well, that's just my prediction. But really, February 1st is going to be the time to find out exactly what's going to happen here. I mean, that's we are very close to this not being the Donald Trump show anymore. Right. So let's let's did you have anything else or do you want to get to that other? No, I want to do a couple more notes because I think yeah, this yeah. is important it's, as it very important as people are reading the polls and freaking out or as people are reading the polls and then sharing them because they support Donald Trump and no one is listening to the show that does that. But anyway, OK, um, <laughs> <laughs> number three, ignore hypothetical matchups in primary season. They also measure nothing, nothing They're. They are. It's one of the reasons why we we've only talked about them very briefly um, on the show because they really mean nothing. Because the attention span of the American people is like half of a stop set during a goddamn a, a Seinfeld episode. God, that's dated. That's such a. <laughs> let me change that. Uh, oh, the what? During it. Well, we just don't watch. I I just don't watch. Uh, Network TV, so I don't know what's a what's a popular sitcom now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, during a stop set of fucking Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. Thank you, Brittany Page. I don't watch that, but I think that's a thing. <laughs> okay, so these are a couple other tips. Look for polls of likely voters, not just registered voters. Voter turnout in primaries and non-presidential year general elections is often low. If you want to know who is going to win, you need to poll the people who are more likely to vote. That's obvious. Uh, look for polls using live interviews. They're often more accurate. Well, Be- no, no. Let's go back to that. Let's go back to that likely voter versus registered voter. Okay. Especially in the primary season because you and I will be voting during this primary season. Right. Because we are active in the system. Mm-hmm. Just got called for jury duty. You you did. I'm on the radar. You are on the fucking radar. <laughs> However, he, here's the deal. Voter turnout during an election year is terrible. Voter turnout during an off year election year, like not not a presidential election, is even worse. Voter turnout during a primary is goddamn almost non-existent. It's only the diehards who really show up and vote in a primary election. So, because it, it doesn't get all the hype. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They really hype the general election. And most people don't get involved to vote in the primary. So, that is why. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Look for polls using live interviewers. They're often more accurate. Be wary of internet polls. They're less tested. There are a number of good internet pollsters, such as SurveyMonkey and YouGov, but these pollsters don't have a long track record in primaries. In general elections, they tend to be at least as accurate as other types of pollsters. Uh, Another tip, know the polling firm. Some are way better than others. Uh, Harry Enton says polls sponsored by major news organizations, ABC News, NBC News, The New York Times, are often more accurate because more money is spent on them. If you haven't heard of a pollster before, there's probably a good reason for it. So I just want to pause on this one really quick. Mm -hmm. 
because this is actually um, a good rule of thumb for sources as well. Well, I think a lot of people need new good rules of thumb for sources. Very important. Well, I think a lot of people like to kind of, they think it's cool to go underground and find like a less reputable source because, you know, countercurrent news, it's not the mainstream media. Yeah, don't go to fucking Reddit for for your credible political sources. But so they're saying if you haven't heard of the pollster before, there's probably a good reason for it. (laughs) Now, people kind of need to prove themselves before we start thinking, oh, yeah, this is just reputable. This is accurate. Let people let these firms, these news organizations, these sites prove themselves before we just, you know, accept the information that they're providing. That is why on this program, we laud praise upon Nate Silver at 538. That's why we cover him so tightly and so closely because he has proven himself picking all 50 states, I think, in the past two presidential elections, which no one else has done. He has proved himself to be almost a prognosticator. This guy, he has a an iron, a kung fu grip on the data. And he has great people working for him at 538. And I just want to do this last tip. Margin of error and sample size matter less than who's in the sample. So good polling costs a lot of money. So many times the best polls have a smaller sample size. That raises the statistical margin of error, but the margin of error for a sample of 400 is less than double that for a sample size of 1,000. What you don't want is coverage error in which you're polling people who won't even vote or ignoring people who will. Yeah. So it really, that likely voter and registered voter, that's important. And you kind of need to look at how many people were in the sample and who they were. Yeah. Important. I, I would love to have somebody on. We should try to get a pollster on. If somebody in the audience knows a pollster, I'd love to have them on to get a little bit of the secret sauce because I've never been polled. I've never been questioned. I haven't either. And maybe it's because I don't have a home phone. I only have a mobile phone, a cell phone. Yes. Huh. So let's let's move into that article about who was leading in 2004, 2008, and 2012 on this very day in those particular years. Yes, I'm sorry that other article took a little long. Yeah, I, it's good. That's, it was, I love okay. that shit. So on December 27th of the 2004 election cycle, Howard Dean, huh? Right. Howard <laughs> Dean was leading the Democratic field by 15 points, and right. he led for 36 more days. So he was leading by 15 points. He was maintaining that lead. For another month. Right. Yeah. This time in 2004. And Howard Dean, I mean, if you followed politics, you would know he's the guy that yelled. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. And he he immediately, that must have been right around the time that he... uh, that he yelled because it was over for him. Yeah, and that's such a weird thing. Because well, it's a weird thing because look now, Donald, I know. Donald Trump can talk about period blood yeah. and all kinds of crazy shit. And Howard Dean just got a little excited. He was like hopped up on yeah, something. Yeah, he was. He, he was talking about, oh, then we're gonna go to Michigan, and then we're gonna go to we're gonna go to Iowa, and then South Carolina, and then Michigan, and ah! <laughs> he was just naming the primary states, and yeah. then he got a little, excited. like you said, a little yeah. excited. A little hopped up. Okay, so on December 27th of the- I don't think Democrats like their candidates to have passion, have <laughs> fire in the belly. <laughs> they like studious nerd types like Obama. Yeah. <laughs> 
on December 27th of the 2008 election cycle, Hillary Clinton was leading the Democratic field by 18.4 points, and she held the lead for 48 more days. Yeah, and we all know how that ended up. Obama sh- fucking schlonged her. Yeah. She got schlonged. <laughs> So during the same election... Oh, that's my new fucking favorite. During the same election cycle, 2008, Rudy Giuliani was leading the Republican field. I think you mean President Rudy Rudy Giuliani, (laughs) Brittany Page. Right. He was leading the Republican field by 3.3 points, and he maintained this lead for 11 more days. And I would like to point out that he is still referred to as America's mayor. He's, He's not America's president. He's still just America's mayor. Okay. So... How dare you? Uh, On December 27th of the 2012 election cycle, Newt Gingrich leads the Republican field by 2.8 points. He'll maintain this lead for eight more days. Yeah. So no one who led in national polls ended up being president of these United States. So, you know, we can all relax a little bit, right? A little bit. Just a little bit. Because all rules, all bets are kind of off for for Donald Trump. Yeah. It's, you know, nothing really seems to hurt the guy. So let's let's move on. Let's bring this down a little bit. There's something that Brittany has been very fired up about. I don't even know if fired up is the right descriptor. She has she has been talking about this video that she watched many times. I mean, you've you've brought this up to me at least four different times wanting to talk about it because you're so disturbed by this thing that took place in Afghanistan surrounding a woman who allegedly burned a Quran even though she was a Muslim and desperately said, I didn't burn the Quran at all. And she was, well, why don't you, why don't you explain yeah, so her name's Farkunda, and she was 27 years old. She was working as a volunteer teacher while she studied Islamic law. And in March, a mob in the Afghan capital set upon her and falsely accused her of burning the Quran, and they beat her to death. Um, Brutally beat her to death with fists, with rocks, with sticks, with their fi- anything they could get their hands on they use as an implement of violence against her and brutally murdered her. Yeah, and the the New York Times wrote a great article on this. It's really long, but it's really, really worth reading. So I would recommend that everybody do that. And it's accompanied by a video of the attack. Yeah, and they were able to put together... People were filming it happening, and they were able to put together this like seven-minute-long video of it happening from different phone sources. Mm-hmm. And it is really hard to watch, but I think it's really important um, because I think that we're really disconnected from this kind of stuff. And Absolutely, we are. The fact that this kind of stuff happens. I mean, this is a woman who was in a mosque. She was a student. She was a Muslim. By all accounts, a faithful woman. Right. And she was accused of burning a Quran, which two days later, she was found innocent of this crime. And this video is just horrific where these people are, you know, accusing her of doing this. They immediately want to start beating her. 
the police try to help her. They try to get her away from the mob. They try at one point. The, crowd, they, the mob, by the way, is filled 100 percent with men. Young men. All men. I yeah, was surprised. Males. I was surprised by how young the crowd is, too, because you think, well, people are going to grow out of this. Right. But these these beliefs, these ideas are deeply entrenched, even in the young population. For sure. And so at one point in the video, they try to pull this woman, Farkunda, up on the shed, the police do. And, you know, they lose her somehow and she falls back down into the crowd and then it's just done. I mean, people are hitting her with sticks. Uh, um, Boards. I mean, it's it's terrible. It's violent. They don't know when she died in the process, but um, at one point they take her body and they run her over with a car. Then they move her body into a different area and they are throwing stones at her head just and then they light her on fire um and right. this is all because she was accused again of burning a book a, burning a fucking book i don't give a fuck that it is the quran i don't care if it's the holy bible it is a a book with pages and words inside and she was murdered because she quote unquote disrespected allegedly disrespected this object this book she lost her only life because of that and so the issue now is people were arrested people were on trial because they were able to from the footage of the the cell phone videos they were able to get a hold of some people but most of the individuals that were sentenced or arrested had their sentences reduced and have already been released from jail. Right. And so her family is, as a last resort, appealing the Supreme Court in Afghanistan, um, asking for a new trial or to impose new sentences on these individuals that, you know, were shown leniency. And why were they shown leniency when they murdered somebody for doing nothing? For doing nothing, even if she had done what she was accused of doing by the mob, by these vigilantes, it didn't warrant death. It's a fucking book. And so what's frustrating me right now is that this isn't being talked about a lot. And if someone had been murdered by a mob for burning a Bible, uh, you bet your ass that 90% of my Facebook friends would be posting about that would be there would be an uprising oh yeah but because this happened in afghanistan and because it's islam people are afraid to make a critique right because can't judge don't don't judge can't judge that's their culture right but this is important and watch this video please please go watch this video of the hundreds of people that are in this mob filming beating and in the new york times article it's it's fascinating it's called flawed justice after a mob killed an afghan woman and we'll put it on the facebook page and the twitter page please read it like i said it's long but please read it there was someone quoted in the article who said that he was afraid to not hit her because people were saying if you don't hit her you're an infidel right if you don't participate in this beating brother you're an infidel and what happens to infidels they they are murdered Brutally, just like her. Right. And the the New York Times article ends, and sorry to ruin the ending for you, but please read it still. Um, It ends with the author talking about children playing outside of the grave where she's buried. 
mm-hmm. and a six-year-old kid says, her name is Farkunda. She burned the Quran, so she was punished and she was lynched. Wow. That is a six-year-old quoted as saying that. And I mean, this is... Commonplace. This is uh, not good. Yeah. This is not good. And I feel really helpless. I think that's why I've been talking about it because it's really upsetting and I feel so helpless as far as what to do. But I think the only thing we can do is talk about it and make sure that people know about what happened to Farkunda. Well, well th- there, there is something that we can do and that's not be paralyzed with fear of criticizing shit that warrants criticism. Just because you have some sensitivity to Islam because you equate all Muslims being brown and you don't want to offend a minority or something, that's this weird thing with this regressive left movement where you, oh, you can't. No, it has nothing to do with religion, Brittany. It's because of their, their, their lower socioeconomic standing or because of the U.S. policy that has oppressed them. Well, and it's not, it just, it gets manipulated because it's like any other emotionally charged topic. No one is saying it's all Muslims. No one is saying, no one is saying that. I mean, it's, it's, I don't understand people who believe that all Muslims are brown. That's seems like a racist judgment in and of itself. Um, Well, that's a lot of that, that left leaning segment that refuses to criticize Islam. Oh, that's Islamophobic. Oh, you're just being Islamophobe. Look, there's a lot to criticize in the ideology of Islam, the the religion. It's the same thing with Christianity. There's no Christianophobes when you criticize Christianity. When I shit on Christianity, no one complains. But if I shit on Islam, oh, you're just Islamophobic. Right, and the thing is, this is a this is a situation where ideas were more important than human life. And that is not okay. Never okay. That is always a problem. And so through their attempt to honor this idea, they murdered a person. Right. That's not okay. We have a problem here. She wasn't accused of burning the last Quran on earth. It was, (laughs) there's other Qurans. There's millions of Qurans. Right. It's just a fucking book. A book filled with fairy tales. Well... And and this this reminds us how thankful well this reminds me how thankful I am to live here where you know you can burn whatever book you want um right you can you can do whatever you want in terms of speech right yeah uh without it's the way it should be without having a mob hit you in the head with sticks until you're dead, run you over with a car, then hit you in, over the head with stones that are so heavy you can hardly pick them up, and then light you on fire. All I mean, the truly. While, all the while talking about having the dogs eat your dead body. Right. It's disgusting. It's it's horrific. All right. Well, this is uh, we're obviously going to put this on the Facebook page. We would encourage your contribution to the conversation. A lot was said here. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. What do you say? Let's wrap it up with a little bit of Taking Care of Biz. Taking Care of Biz. 
Sasha Baron Cohen, better known as Borat. Uh, the Borat. Uh. And his wife, <laughs> Isla Fisher. She's, uh, isn't she that little redheaded gal from... Uh, Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers, right. Yes, right, right. she is the love interest of Vince Vaughn, Jeremy. In, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have donated $1 million to help Syrian refugees. Jew, Sasha Baron Cohen... Donated a million dollars to the Syrian refugees, which are largely Muslims. They are giving $500,000 to save the children to pay for measles vaccinations for children in northern Syria. They are also donating the same amount to the International Rescue Committee to help refugees in Syria and neighboring countries, particularly women and children, with health care, shelter, and sanitation. More than 4 million refugees have fled the conflict in Syria for the relative safety of the neighboring countries, according to the United Nations. Justin Forsyth... The chief executive of Save the Children said the money would save many thousands of lives and protect some of the most vulnerable children. That is awesome. By allowing us to make their generous donation to Syrian children public, Sasha and Isla are helping to highlight the tragedy of this issue today, he added. So the charities asked for permission to make this donation public in order to kind of get more attention. Sure, and maybe encourage others to do so as well. Right, so it isn't like... You know, the celebrities leaked the information. Yeah, look that they at did me, this. look at me, right. Right, but they're donating a million dollars to help. That's just awesome. Spectacular, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, it is, and like I said, I point out that he's a Jew and they're Muslims for the fact that we're all just people. Right. We are all just humans who happen to be subscribed to certain belief systems, but we're all, we're all in this together. And it's awesome to see Someone really going the extra mile. 900,000 euros is a lot of cash. Well, and it also highlights the fact that we can be different and have differing belief systems and still be compassionate toward those that are different from us. Right. Support those who are in dire straits. And I think that education helps in that effort and reducing the extremism um, and the stringent adherence to certain beliefs right that kind of keep you entrenched and don't allow you to experience the world yeah because i wonder how much money the the protestant the presbyterian donald trump has donated to the the syrian relief refugee relief effort over there well, with he... his his many billions of dollars his ten thousand million dollars that he has i wonder how many has he given one million of his ten thousand million? Well, he's running his presidential campaign right now, <laughs> so that's really important. He's he's running his fear monger machine. You mean he's paying for his own campaign out of pocket? Right. Even though, by the way, I went to his website the other day. Uh oh. To and then we're going to end it here. I went to his website the other day to find out a a, a an event schedule because I really do want to show up with a microphone and interview some of these clods who are waiting to go in and see him. And uh, right when you go to his homepage, there's a big, giant donate button on the front page. Oh. So he, I know he's claiming to be running this self-financed. Then if that's the case, why is there a donate button 
on his fucking webpage. Yeah, I wonder how much he's received in donations. Yeah, interesting. I, I'm going to look into it. I don't know if the FEC only requires like quarterly filings, so we'll see. Anyway, we're going to leave you there. We appreciate your listenership, everybody. You guys mean the world to us. It is good to be back. We will see you next time on episode 183. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. I I just (laughs) S'd right on that logic right there. (laughs) 